packed your bags and shut the door You crossed the sea to fight a war You didn't know just what would happen to ya Stepped in the dirt, boots on the ground And gunfire was the only sound And to yourself you Well, folks, it's time to welcome back an old friend. John Weir is back with us, and this time he's going to talk with us about some of the uh, exciting, more exciting parts of, of his tour in Vietnam. So welcome back, John. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Sure. Uh, let's, let's start with, uh, uh, I, I know you, you uh, got there in time, just in time to have some fun in Hue City. So why don't you why don't we start with that and see uh, uh, we haven't really talked much about this so and it is an incredibly important uh, uh, battle so uh, why don't you start with that and let, let's see where this goes okay fine um, got in country 15 15 16 17th of January of 1960 uh, not uh, 68 excuse me and um, I had got to, we came into Da Nang and went over to Fubai, and Fubai at that time was the uh, the old rear area of 3rd Marine Division. They had already moved up to Quang Tree, um, I don't know, 20, 30 miles north. Um, but um, I came into the rear area, and that's where 3rd uh, Tank Battalion's headquarters was still located. And um, when I got there, the last remaining tanks, the last four remaining tanks had just left to go up to Quang Tree to uh, the new location. And uh, unbeknownst to me, they went up Route 1 and got mixed up in the North Vietnamese uh, attacking Hue City. And uh, there was a, quite a battle going on up there. And of course, I was back in the rear. Uh, and, and luckily, honestly, luckily, I wasn't uh, one of the crewmen that went on that tank. Um, and by the way, of the 14 original crewmen, only two uh, weren't medevaced, uh, weren't wounded in medevaced, wow. uh, and one was killed there. Um, so anyway, I uh, sat in the rear and sat on the line, and one day about the, it actually ended up being about the third or fourth day of the battle, uh, the first sergeant or one of the office folks said, uh, where, get your uh, Willie Peter bag and, and, and get up get up to the uh, flight line, and uh, um, get on the helicopter, you're going into Way City. And uh, two other guys, Al Escobar and another fella, and I um, uh, took a Jeep and went down to the, or got on a Jeep and went down to the uh, flight line. And a um, one of those banana helicopters, those uh, 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 or excuse me, CH-46. The 46, came down huh? and 46, and came down and, and lowered his ramp. He did not he did not land. He lowered his ramp, and we ran up on into the helicopter, and we were the only three, besides the crew, we were the only three on the helicopter. And then he took up, picked up, and, and um, hovered for a couple of seconds, and one of the shore party guys hooked on a big um, uh, load of ammo, and we had the ammo hanging down below, swinging back and forth, and the helicopter was swinging back and forth. 
<laughs> I was way more worried about the helicopter crashing than, than I was about the uh, about going into Way City and uh, you know having my first taste of, uh, of combat. Anyway, we we got in and, and and dropped off the load at the at the LZ and then came down and, and landed. And as we got off the helicopter, the North Vietnamese on the other side of the river were shooting into us. And of course, I had no idea what was going on other than there was a lot of noise but um, uh, jumped out of the helicopter and started running toward a, um, a wall, if you will, that was um, um, behind, a bunch of Marines were behind and stuff. And we had to actually yell at the Marines to stop shooting toward the North Vietnamese so they wouldn't shoot us. <laughs> so that's that pretty hairy. We went around the corner and, and found out where the tanks were, and we got to the tanks. And um, the platoon leader at the time, um, I was a corporal at that time. I'd already been in the Marines about 18 months, and... Um, the uh, uh, Corporal Ware, I know you're Corporal, but you haven't had any experience, so you're going to be the gunner on this tank, and uh, you're going to have a Lance Corporal as, a, as the tank commander. And I said, that's okay with me. I'll be inside the tank. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I, I really did not, I mean, I knew I wasn't uh, ready to be in combat with a, as a tank commander yet. Yeah. So anyway, um, we then spent the next 10 or 12 days kind of on a reaction force where we would sit and wait until the grunts um, hit a resistance pocket, if you will, and of course, you know, we call that uh, hitting the shit, mm -hmm. and they would call us, and we would sit behind a building or sit, you know, a block away from where they were actually operating. They would call us, and we would come charging down the road, and uh, guns a blazing, and, uh, you know, take on the uh, the um, enemy position and uh, annihilate the enemy or, or neutralize the enemy so that the grunts could keep going. That was kind of how we um, we operated. And I remember just recently talking to a more more um, recent uh, Marine tanker, and he said that that's not how they operate now, that the tanks go in front and the grunts follow behind, kind of what we did in the field. But we didn't do that in the built-up areas there. Uh, it was... Uh, we didn't have enough tanks, actually. We only had three tanks when I got there. One of the tanks had actually gotten knocked out. But we spent that 10 or 12 days that I was in Way City um, uh, being a re like a reaction force and, uh, you know, just unloading. And when uh, when the enemy would run away or would be annihilated, we'd uh, back off and, and wait for the grunts to hit the next pocket of resistance. Um, and uh, it was... Um, it was really hairy for about, you know, 15 minutes, and then it was two or three or four or five or even six hours of just absolute sheer boredom, mm -hmm. just waiting for the next thing to happen. Mm -hmm. um, it was a really interesting uh, dilemma or, or um, occurrence, if you will. Um, and, I mean, I could go into more details about that, but we, we, we would call ourselves the bandits. Um, um, and I guess it was because... Um, uh, there really wasn't a lot of um, overseeing what we did. Uh, there were several um, uh, incidents where I, I wasn't participating, but uh, for one, one, uh, it's in uh, Mark Hamill's book where the Bank of Way um, was a big building in, in, involved in the battle, and uh, for one reason or another, the, um, the North Vietnamese tried to blow up the um, main vault and couldn't and the Grumerian grunts got in there with their grenades and, and Z4, and they couldn't. And, uh, and uh, a young staff sergeant 
um, took the gun tank and and put a put a round right through the oh, right God. through the um, um, vault and blew the back of the vault and all the money went all over the city <laughs> and um, twenty thirty years later I, I bumped into a, a an officer from Third Marine Division who had been sent up to Way to investigate the uh, robbing of the bank. Um, <laughs> Which, in actuality, the North Vietnamese got most of the money, and, yeah. and the tankers, the, the tankers that were there, got some piastres, but they didn't even get any greenbacks. So, <laughs> anyway, that's, that's just one one little story about what happened yeah. in Way City. Um, Did, weren't the grunts going house to house? Uh, that grunts almost exclusively did house to house yeah. um, and that's what it, when I was talking about with us being a reaction force, they would go house to house, and when they finally hit a, a, a North Vietnamese pocket of, of resistance. They'd back off, and they'd call us in, and we would come. You know, in the field, you would call in artillery, you'd call in airstrikes right. if, if you hit a, hit a, you know, a, a, a pretty good, serious um, um, bunch of resistance. Mm-hmm. But in way, uh, it happened all the time, and rather than trying to call in artillery or airstrikes, air they, they call in the tanks, or they call in the autos. And and we'd go in and, and you know blast away, and uh, the Vietnamese would the North Vietnamese would fade away or you know get blown up. Right, right. Um, but on the fourteenth, actually November, uh, excuse me, February fourteenth, Valentine's Day, mm-hmm. uh, they said that the south side of the the river where we were in the new city had been pretty much pacified, and that the north side needed to be addressed right. where the citadel was. Right. And so they brought up uh, a reinforced platoon from first tanks, uh, and they offloaded on the on the north side of the river. Mm-hmm. And while they were offloading, we unloaded to um, LCUs and uh, or LCTs, mm-hmm. uh, landing craft tanks, and we went down the river and went up to Quan, um, to Quang Tri, right. and uh, you know, and uh, redeployed with our unit up there right. in uh, the north side of the, uh, of well, the, the country. The, the, what I read was the Citadel was one of those places where uh, you couldn't use bombs, you couldn't use artillery because of the, the uh, historical value of, for lack of a better term, of, of well, the Citadel. You know, it, it, yeah, it, it, interesting. interesting. The, the, the entire city was an imperial city and, the, and it was revered and, and up until that point there had never been any kind of Conflagration in the city of Hue. It, it, it was it was a it was pristine. It was kind of like uh, in in Japan, Kyoto. Mm, yeah. We never bombed Kyoto in Japan during World War II because of the historical significance of the city and the beautiful architecture and all that. And so, uh, Kyoto, you know, it's it's you know it's a two thousand year old, four thousand year old city, and it's got the same architecture that it got you know from the beginning. Way City was basically the same way, and the, the Vietnamese did not want to have any kind of serious damage to the city. And we, the first 10 days of battle, we couldn't use anything bigger than an M16 or a uh, 30 caliber machine gun. We oh. could not use the main guns of the tank. We could not use you know, flamethrowers. We couldn't, they, they didn't bomb it. Uh, you know, 60 millimeter mortars were the largest uh, uh, weapon, uh, indirect fire weapon that could be used. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't even know if they could use um, uh, laws or uh, you know 3.5 rocket launchers. But mm-hmm. it was it was definitely a disadvantage for the Americans to uh, to be fighting in the battle. Uh, and 
I don't know if it was Westmoreland or if it was MACV or whether it was the Vietnamese, but they finally said, you know, you could do anything. You know, we got to get this, these North Vietnamese out of there. But the battle, the battle went five, seven, maybe ten days without having any kind of serious uh, heavy artillery or airstrikes. And I remember as we were leaving, we saw the first we saw the first jets coming in and actually bombing in, in the citadel. Um, but prior to that, they did not want any damage. And you can go now, 60 years later, you can go and look at the architecture at the Citadel, and there are gigantic pockmarkets where the, you know, rockets and whatever, yeah. um, you know, they, they did some repair, but not, not as yeah. the kind of repair that they really needed to do. Yeah, I've been through there. I went there back in 2008, and yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, now, one of, the, one of the little tidbits, the second or third day of the battle, uh, the grunts were going along, and there were two gun tanks, and they were just going along the road. Mm-hmm. And Charlie West, uh, uh, Corporal Charlie West, who's, who's a member of our organization, but he was the tank commander. And the, the, one of the buildings, a bunch of North Vietnamese were shooting down at the grunts, and the grunt uh, lieutenant... Uh, okay. The grunt lieutenant yelled up to the yelled up to Charlie and said, "Get rid of those guys." And he thought the grunt thought it was a gun tank, and it was a flame tank. And Charlie said, "Okay." And he turned the turret around, and they unloaded the 360 gallons of napalm inside the building and burned burned the, <laughs> the bad guys. But it also caught the whole city block on fire. Oh wow. And that was when the MACV decided that we weren't going to get any more napalm oh, in our flame tanks. So we, we ended up being a, a thirty caliber machine gun platform, yeah. uh, both of the two flame tanks. But Were you on a flame at that time? Say again? Were you, were, you, were you operating on a flame at the time you were in Hue, or were you on a gun tank? I, I did not set foot in a gun tank the entire time I was in Vietnam. Oh, okay, so you were on a flame. I, I, got, I got assigned the gunner in a flame tank, and uh, you know, four months later, uh, became a tank commander and a, and the mm-hmm. and the uh, third third flame tank section leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I was in flame tank the entire time. And of course, prior to that, I'd been in the gun tank in, in Camp Pendleton. I'd been in the gun tank for you know eighteen months. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah. Can I let me ask you a question? Because I've heard this sure. before, but I don't I don't you know someone who's been there perhaps can can give a better explanation. Um, what I heard was in in the depths of the city, tanks couldn't turn around, and so they they relied more heavily on ontos because I guess the ontos in a neutral steer can could you know could do a three sixty, and and a tank couldn't do that. Is that accurate? No. <laughs> uh, in the old part of the city, in where the citadel is, mm-hmm. that was you know mule carts could go around and tanks had a hard time in the very very old part of the city where we were on the south side of the city it was like paris it was big wide boulevards and 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 beautiful streets and covered trees and all that kind of stuff so in the very very old part of the city the you know the two thousand year old part of the city yes that was a bad part and tanks could not i mean you could barely even turn the turret sometimes Mm -hmm. um and they did not have Specifically, in the old part of the city, the tanks didn't even go. They went around the outside, but they didn't spend a lot of time inside the city. Okay. Um, the Antos, um, when I got there, I, again, it was about the fifth day of battle, mm-hmm. and 
there is a, uh, he's since passed away, but there was a guy named Ron Christmas who ended up being a, I don't know, a two or three star general. Uh, he was a yeah. lieutenant colonel and a regimental commander. He was in charge of Task Force X-Ray, which was all the Marines that were in Way City during that time. Oh, okay. And I actually, I personally heard him over the radio say, get those goddamn noisy RPG magnets away from my men, which meant he wanted the tanks away from his men. He did not like tanks. He, they were too noisy. They were too, you know, they, they, they attracted bad, you know, rounds, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. He loved the little Antos. Now, part of the reason he loved the Antos was the Antos was a, a infantry weapon. It was an O3, O3-52 was the MOS for right. the Antos crewman, and he loved the Antos. And I think, I think the other part of that was that the grunts used 106s mounted on mules as a uh, uh, offensive weapon. Uh -huh. and, but Christmas did not like noisy tanks, and so the grunts, excuse me, the, the uh, Antos got a got a lot of attention yeah. from the commander of Task Force X-Ray. Yeah. I heard they got quite a whooping, too. Uh, always, always. You know, their, their, their armor is, is about as, as good as a Jeep. Yeah. And so what they, just, just the tanks did the same thing a lot. And that was, you hide behind the building. When you mm -hmm. get called out, you go running around, you scoot around the building, you shoot, and then you scoot back behind the building again. The autos did that a lot there. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, everybody... <laughs> Everybody, everybody, they, it was everybody's time in the barrel in Way City. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Appreciate that a lot, too, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. So we ended up, we ended up leaving Way um, uh, around the 15th of uh, February, and first first tanks took over the north side and, and uh, 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 fought the north side and, and, and ended up, you know, with the grunts clearing up the, clearing out the, uh, the Citadel for another 15th. Um, it's a 28 or 30 day battle, um, but we ended up uh, going out on the um, going out on the uh, South China Sea and coming going up the coast and mm -hmm. coming into uh, Dong Ha uh, at the boat ramp mm -hmm. and uh, uh, deploying from there via Quaviet. Yeah, up yeah. to Quaviet, absolutely. Yeah. You know, just as a side note, I find it interesting that uh, that the powers that be would not want the buildings hurt, but you know the fact that two to three thousand. Uh, of their own citizens were rounded up and shot in the square is you know well that you know, well that's that's okay I guess. <laughs> you know, I just the Vietnamese have got a way different culture than we do. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's let's um, let's switch for just a second to a a, <laughs> a slightly lighter maybe uh, topic. <laughs> Uh, Typhoon Bass, uh, can you describe to our listeners <laughs> what it's like to be in a typhoon? Well, a, ty a typhoon is a hurricane in the Far East. Right. It's, 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 it's exactly what a hurricane is, uh, only they, they call it a typhoon. So, uh, here we go. Uh, I went on R&R in July or Late, late July, early August, uh, went to Hawaii, met my fiance. We had a great five days. Came back, and as I came back, all of Charlie Com I was part of Charlie Company. Mm -hmm. uh, third, third flame section was part of Charlie Company. Mm -hmm. And we'd been up on Camlo Hill. And when I got back, I got to Dong Ha 
and to Alpha Company, where the where the maintenance yard was, and there was Charlie Company, completely all every swinging person in Charlie Company, all the equipment, all the six by trucks, everything was in Dong Ha, and they were on their way to go up the Quabiet uh, River and to offload at a place called Mai Si Tai, which about two months, three months earlier, had been a gigantic battle called the Battle for Dong Ha, where the 4th Marines, the fourth, uh, a, a platoon of 4th Marines, which is about, about 250 guys, mm-hmm. walked into a division of North Vietnamese. Yeah, and magnificent battles. Unbelievable battle, yes, yeah. yes. Um, unbelievable battle. Um, and we can talk about that later. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Charlie Company was going to be a blocking force for the natural um, um, venue of, of what the North Vietnamese would come down. They would pass GLN and just come down into into South Vietnam. And Charlie Company became the blocking force, if you will, in that area. And so we we ended up going there into this, this bombed-out village and um, setting up camp there mm-hmm. and um, making them strong point. And um, about four days, into five days into that uh, positioning and being positioned there, um, I got a call that they wanted my flame tank up uh, to C4, Charlie 4, which was on the ocean, um, up, up the coast a ways. Right. And so, and of course, uh, you know, they just said, you know, where take your tank and go. And usually when you did something, you took two tanks. Mm-hmm. And we didn't do that. We just took my tank and we loaded up on a boat. And we got to the Quaviet, uh, mouth of the Quaviet River, and it started raining. Uh-oh. And it started raining. And it rained harder. And it rained harder. And we couldn't get across the, the river to head up to, um, to head up the beach to get up to Charlie Four and the Oceanside. Uh, or excuse me, Ocean View. Uh, we couldn't get up there. They didn't. They didn't want to have any. Um, um, uh, what do they call them? Rough Riders. Uh, um, columns of columns of, of trucks and and Antos and and tanks mm-hmm. uh, to go up to uh, there uh, to go up north. And they said it was raining too hard. And it turned out it was a typhoon. Uh-huh. And. Uh, I knew what a typhoon was because I'd lived in Japan before and, and lived in the Far East as, you know, with my dad and the military and all mm-hmm. that. But nobody really knew what a typhoon was. And, I mean, it rained and rained and rained. And everything flooded. And they didn't have a place for us. We couldn't stay in the tank. The tank was, you know, full of water. So we ended up going into a, uh, a, a tent that was the mess hall's storage tent. And we slept, we slept for two or three days. We slept on pallets and wrung out all our, wrung out all our bedding and, and whatever. And it was, it was wild. And about the fourth day of, third or fourth day of this, of this incredible rain, finally I flagged down a, a boat, and a, a Navy boat, and they took us across the river. And we just, I just said, screw it, we're going. Mm-hmm. And we ended up going up the, up the beach by ourselves. Now, now that I think about it, I was just stupid to do that. But we and we, we part of the part of the conveyance of going up the river. Or excuse me, going up the beach. You went into the water line. You didn't want to go on the hard surface of the of the beach right. because there'd be mines. And uh-huh. so you went where the waves broke. Uh-huh. And so we're going up the beach, 
and the waves are breaking over the top of my head in the tank in the turret. Yeah. And and my driver literally had water up to his neck. Oh yeah. <laughs> and and the and the gunner we had to lift up his legs to keep the water from <laughs> and this is ocean water. This is and of course the radio stopped working because the sure. just because of the, the salt water. Yeah. And we just we just went. <laughs> Well, it's interesting to note, if I can, just for the listeners, that a tank is, what, 10 feet tall or something? Oh, gosh, yeah, or maybe 12. Yeah, so a wave breaking over the... Literally breaking over the top of my head. Yeah, so so you're talking about huge waves. Yeah, huge waves. Well, you know, it was a typhoon. And and the next day, the next day, everything was calm and quiet. It was just, it was just, it was amazing. It was like, it was like the end of the world going up the beach. And we pulled into the we pulled into the into the uh, um, the main gate, if you will, of the of Charlie Four C Four, and uh, and there was nobody around. Everything was flooded. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. And I didn't I didn't even know it was a typhoon until you know thirty years later. I was reading a book about that time uh-huh. in September of '68, and and found out that there was typhoon death. Yeah. And and it, and it really. It devastated the whole south, the south part of South Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, Vietnam. My, well, my understanding, just as a side note, my understanding is a typhoon isn't. You're, you're right; it's, it is indeed a hurricane, but it is circulating in the opposite direction. Yes, yes. Which you know, of course, when you're getting when you're getting waves broken over the top of your head, you don't care which way the waves <laughs> going. And and, um, and Vietnam, the, where we operated, was you know, I mean, was you know, maybe two feet above sea level. So yeah. the ocean with the sur- tidal surge and the, and the, and the every, I mean, everything was, you know, wet. Yeah. And, and, you know, when it wasn't a typhoon, it was wet. So, so everything just, and if I'm not mistaken, I remember stories of guys staying at my Thai and boxes and, and ammo crates and stuff just floating down the river. Oh, just, you know, it just, it, it was crazy. Yeah. You know, while we're on the topic, can you, you know, for the audience, could you just briefly describe what what one has to do to the tank when uh, when you're fording a river? Uh, well, if you're deep water fording, yeah, uh, you there's a there's a, a a rubber ring that goes around the turret that um, you have to lock the turret so it doesn't move. And then you blow up the inner tube, if you will, and that seals the turret itself. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, you have to seal up. You you seal up the the uh, uh, driver's hatch, mm-hmm. um, the 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 cover of the driver's uh, um, hatch. Uh, you seal that up. You have to have. Uh, uh, I think they're called stacks. You 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 right. have exhaust stacks right. and and uh, in. Uh, intake uh, mm-hmm. for water for air uh, stacks that you have, um, and there's a. In fact, I'm looking at a, a model of a tank right now, and there's a there's a stack sticking out of the exhaust. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I can't remember all the other stuff you did. Now in Vietnam, we didn't do a lot of that stuff. We just went through the water and mm-hmm. and you know and let the water exhaust out the uh, uh, drain out of the uh, the drain plugs, right. but. Um, a tank can go, if I'm not mistaken, a tank can actually ford up to uh, the tank commander's cupola. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I can't imagine Which having is, to lock know, your turret down. down. Say again? I can't imagine having to lock your turret down in, in the middle of a war zone. 
No, no. But the, you know, this is like when you're when you're making a wet landing um, off the beach, uh, or excuse me, onto the beach. Uh, that's the, that's some of the things I remember doing that at Camp Pendleton um, during training, where you had to do all the you had to seal all these different right. um, things uh, with you know GAA or whatever mm-hmm. grease. Yeah. Uh, and then and then once you land on the beach you deflate the tube and and you know knock off the knock off the exta- the stack and all that kind of stuff and and then you know proceed on to uh, engaging the enemy yeah yeah well let's let's move on a little bit to uh, one of my most recent uh, forays into history because this was I'm not sure that this was about my time getting there or shortly before or shortly after, but uh, uh, you have a labelist task force, Robbie. I, I've been looking it up as uh, uh, either the Battle of Dong Ha or Daido. And uh, uh, the, the uh, and I forgot the colonel's name at that time, but, but um, uh, there, there's a multi-part series on... on uh, uh, YouTube and all kind. There's movies and all kinds of stuff, but it would be nice to have uh, a little bit of a first-hand account of, of Dido. It was, by all accounts, one of the most one of the most stellar performances by what became known as the Magnificent Bastards, but also was one of the most uh, lopsided uh, from a, a personnel perspective. Uh, a battle of of any of the wars of any of the firefights. So, let me just turn you loose on Dido and and let's see where that goes. All right. Every day and every night, you walk the walk, you fight the fight. You never saw the end inside, now did ya? The days are washing ahead of red, the blood. Back up, set the stage a little bit. Okay, um, the the Marines, the Marines always have, or usually always have, tank support for the grunts, mm-hmm. and and a tank battalion, dis- deployed tank battalion would have you know six tanks with this regiment and this tank, six, you know six tanks mm-hmm. with that regiment, and they would they divide up the the tanks in t- with the different grunt outfits. Well, there were so many different fire bases in in Vietnam, in the north part, and 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 strong points, and you know uh, uh, um, places where the grunts would deploy uh, that they didn't have enough tanks. Yeah. So a lieutenant colonel named Robichard, uh, who I believe was the regimental or the the third uh, uh, tank battalion uh, CO, um, early part of 1968. After Tet and 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 um, so say 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 March or April, uh, they decided they would they would take some tanks from each company and some Antos and uh, some Amtraks and they actually got Army 
dusters, uh, M42 sky duster, right. uh, uh, twin twin pom poms. Uh, also, uh, uh, truck mounted quad fifties, uh, and they would make a rapid rea- armored rapid reaction force called Task Force Robbie, and it was located at Camlo Hill, and that was like a central location to all of Leatherneck Square, so that if Camp Carroll got in trouble, or if Contien got in trouble, and obviously got in trouble, they were going to be overrun. Mm-hmm. This armored task force would haul butt, if you will, and uh, mount out and head out to wherever that location was and engage the enemy. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a good idea; it didn't work that well. But um, so we and we did a lot of practice runs where we'd get up to Camp Carroll and come back, and, and we'd go up to uh, Contien and, and come back, and uh, head out to Dongha and come back. Um, the one time that there was actually some action going on, and um, it was it was just prior to what you were talking about, Daido, just prior to Daido, mm-hmm. uh, 3rd Battalion, 9th Marines, got into some stuff at a place called Camvu, C-A-M-V-U. Uh-huh. And they called Task Force Robbie to come out help. And it wasn't the entire task force, but, but a, a number of all the vehicles uh, headed out toward Cambu, which was about halfway between Quaviet uh, and Camlo Hill. Mm-hmm. And we headed out that way mm-hmm. and uh, to, to, you know, bus caps with the 9th Marines. Mm-hmm. And the North Vietnam, and I've read about this later, the North Vietnamese knew that we were going to be coming. They, they knew Task Force Robbie was there, that it was going to be a reaction force, and that if they ever uh, caused any trouble, that Cam- uh, Task Force Robbie would react. Yeah. So they planted anti-tank mines in this area just outside of Camlo Hill where we were going to charge. Yeah. Um, at the same time, and I remember hearing this over the radio, the, the 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 task force commander told us not to use the roads to go across country, mm-hmm. and of course, the northern Vietnamese planted anti tank mines across country, and at least six, if not more, tanks all hit mines as soon as we came out of the gate, practically. And my mm-hmm. tank was one of the tanks that hit the mine, mm-hmm. and 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 they were anti tank mines, so they blew the track off and blew off uh, road wheels, and and we were immobile. Yeah. Um, maybe six tanks were not affected and ended up getting into the firefight with uh, the ninth uh, the ninth Marines and you know and chase the enemy away around that same time the and again I've read about this I, I wasn't participating in it right. um, but I heard that the the firebase called GLM which was directly north of Dong Ha on route one mm-hmm. that was an Arvin taor it was an Arvin uh, Army of the Republic of Vietnam's uh, tactical air responsibility. They were supposed to patrol that and take care of it. They called in and saw that they saw some North Viet- some North Vietnamese soldiers passing by their their outpost. And rather than attacking them, they called the uh, MACV headquarters and said, "We've got some, you know, we got some disturbance up here, and we need some help." So that was not. Nobody knew this at the time, but a division of North Vietnamese regulars were coming down to attack Dong Ha, to the, the huge sprawling base of Dong Ha. They were going to overrun Dong Ha. And the Arvin decided they didn't want to get involved. 
So uh, 3rd Marine Division said, oh, 4th Marines, why don't you send a platoon up there to see what's going on? And they did. And it was in Daido uh, and, uh, um, i trying to think of the other, Daido and, I'm trying to think of the other name of the village, but anyway, Anlock was the other village. And they got into the village and, uh, to put it in vernacular, they hit the shit. Yeah, and yeah. The, the, the rest of the 4th Marines ended up going up there, and the Army sent a bunch of guys up there. And I, I was sitting in Dong Ha with, with blown torsion bars and, and broken road wheels and uh, repairing uh, with, the, with the tank crew, uh, our tank, and literally... It was a three-day firefight. It did not. They did not stop shooting for three days. Wow. It was, and I'm going to say it was probably maybe at the most ten miles away from Dong Ha where yeah. this battle was going on. But I remember hearing stories about, and, and not one single Marine tank was engaged in that battle. Hmm. There, there was no. There were some uh, some um, on, excuse me some um, um, Amtrak's. Amtrak's with uh, 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 105 um, um, uh, cannons uh, got involved in the firefight, but but the the grunts it was grunts against grunts, yeah. and and Artie and 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 uh, and uh, airstrikes, but but it was there were no tanks, there were no Antos involved in that battle, yeah. um, just because first of all the Quaviat River kept anybody from being able to cross; it was too deep and too big. Right. So anything on the south side, they, they did not have anything permanently assigned to the north side of that battle. And that's one of the reasons why they ended up, in August, sending uh, Charlie Company third tanks up there, was that there would be, there'd be, a, permanent, there'd be a permanent presence of tanks and Antos oh, up okay. in that part of the world. Right. But there weren't any. So the grunts, I read stories where the grunts, they wanted to take the buttons off their uniforms so they could get lower to the ground. Yeah. And and they they felt like they could they wanted to crawl inside their helmets the fire the the, the fire the yeah. the um, incoming fire from the uh, North Vietnamese was so bad. Yeah, that's I, I actually um, I wish I could remember this guy's name, but the colonel was talking about that. Yeah, that it was just nonstop, and they they took I mean, they took heavy casualties. They gave way more better than they got, but but you know, oh they, yeah. And, and, and I, I don't, honestly, I don't know what actually caused the North Vietnamese to turn around. They could have, I, I've read somewhere where they could have kept going and they could have ended up attacking Dong Ha because yep. the, the resistance, the Marine resistance was, quote unquote, so weak compared to what the people they had. But they just showed, they showed such tenacity, the Marines showed such tenacity, you know, they... Right. They, they fought to the last man kind of thing, yeah. and the North Vietnamese decided to turn around and go back to go go to North Vietnam. Yeah, yeah, that's you know they uh, this this colonel that ran the operation out there for yeah. Daido talked with uh, the lieutenant general, or at least that's what he was at the time. He talked with him that ran the operation, and the I, I gather the idea was to to uh, you know they they weren't able to do to to do the case on what they had done to BN, DNB and Fu, they weren't able to do it away. And so this was another one of those cases of where General Yap, who was the guy that ran the whole show, uh, he, he had seen the press respond to Hui 
despite the fact that, that they got their butts beat, and decided that if they could have one more like that, that that would seal the fate and the Americans would go home. Yeah, and so that's why they, they, I mean, they, according to what I read and what I've seen, they stockpiled weapons out there. You're, you're right, there was nobody out there, you know, no, no real presence. And so they stockpiled weapons and food and, and all kinds of stuff. And it was only because some, <laughs> some FNG on the other side opened up on, a, on a, one of those riverboats that, yeah. that it started, and that was premature. Yes, they they should have crossed the river and actually attacked Dong Ha. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. So it, it I mean, it, you know, in that regard, we were we were fortunate, um, but uh, nonetheless, they um, it was not it was it, well actually it's probably one of the least known, most ferocious. Yes. Um, uh, battles that that were ever fought in Vietnam, and, and, and not very many people know about it. Which, well, and it, and it was it was a North Vietnamese division. Yeah. I mean, you know, if 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 we got in a firefight with a platoon of, of the North Vietnamese, it was you know it was a pretty heavy duty deal. But yeah. this this was a, a division, and and of course their divisions are smaller than our divisions, but still, you know, I don't know how many, you know, ten thousand men or something. It was huge. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they're not. Uh, this might be a good time to stress that that uh, these were not these were not pansies on the other no. side. These were well trained, well equipped, um, uh, good, really good fighters. Well, and and you know the, the 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 history where you know you'd call the Viet Cong Victor Charlie or Charlie, yeah. and we called the North Vietnamese Mr. Charles. Yeah, that's right, Mr. Charles, because right. he was he was a he was a tough fighter. Oh, yeah, exactly. So so transitioning transitioning from from Daigo uh, uh, Anlock and talking about how the North Vietnamese stash supplies up in the DMZ mm-hmm. to do battle uh, around. I didn't. I then spent quite a bit of time up at Contien, which was the, the high point, uh, the Hill of Angels and the high point on the DMZ. Right. And one, uh, probably probably in May, June, after the Daido uh, battle, um, they started doing uh, B-52 arc lights all along the DMZ. So, I mean, they just, they bombed in 2,000 pound bombs and they just bombed and bombed and bombed and bombed all along the DMZ. Let me and, let me stop you right there. Sure. Dis, di, can you can you describe a little bit more in detail? You, you mentioned uh, an arc light, and I think the listeners probably don't understand what an arc light is. Um, so could you just just briefly? Um, I mean, you mentioned two thousand pound bombs, but it, it's not just one or two of them. No, a arc, and I don't. You know, you can't you can't. You can't quote me on what I'm gonna, the numbers I'm gonna do, but let's just say that the B-52s were based in Guam, and and the B-52 bombers, and they they would deploy 10, 15, 20 of these bombers, and each one had, I think it was like 60 2,000 pound bombs. I mean, it was a lot of bombs, yeah. and they would go all in a, they go go in a row, 
and they would just they drop their bombs. So so sixty times ten, so six hundred two thousand pound bombs would be dropped in a fairly small area, right. uh, and it would the 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 hole that one of the two thousand pound bombs a tank could get inside, and you wouldn't see the tank. That's yeah. how big the the bomb crater was, yeah. and. And they do arc light, and they would do these. I mean, it'd be day and night. They'd be dropping these these arc light um, um, raids. They would they would do these raids, and they would bomb this area. And just the concussion would you know would would blow people apart. Yeah. And uh, that would that was that was like in May and June, and then the first part of July, they decided that they wanted to, to do a sweep of the DMZ. So they took the entire 9th Marine Regiment, so that was 1929 and 39, mm-hmm. and virtually every operating tank that that was on was in the DMZ, and we lined up in this gigantic long line, I don't know how many miles it was, and we swept in a big arc all around Contian. Contian was the center point, and we swept around up, up through the DM around so, so it went, I think it was a five or six day operation, but we, we, we made a gigantic arc of men and tanks. Um, uh, and I understand, I mean, I thought we were, you know, just looking for North Vietnamese, but they wanted us uh, to assess the bomb damage and how, how well it controlled the area and kept, um, kept the, um, uh, we were supposed to assess the damage and to see if there was, in fact, any storage caches of of bombs and bullets and bandages that the North Vietnamese were hiding and also to to see about any uh, fortifications that they might have been building in the DMZ. Yeah. So it was called Operation Thor and I I'd, I'd never seen that many tanks um, other than Task Force Robbie. I'd never seen that many tanks and that many of uh, uh, or excuse me uh, Marines uh, operating but we swept across and that was at one point we got it's probably about the third or fourth day um we were sweeping along and all of a sudden a bunch of north vietnamese started shooting at us and so our tanks were our tanks were kind of in a in a straight line um uh, in a column if you will mm-hmm. and we just we made a left turn and started going into the tree line where the where the north vietnamese were shooting at us mm-hmm. and my tank uh, there were some grunts in front of my tank, and they were, you know, hiding. They were hunkered down, so they weren't going to get shot. Right. And I stuck my head out of the cupola, and I said, get out of the way! Mm-hmm. And I screamed at them, and they, they slide slip. Too late to help you hear a shot. You know you're in a deadly spot. You never thought the day would come, now did ya? Your brother falls down to the ground The enemy is all around And from your lips you scream a hallelujah 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 Out of the way and we started going forward And just as we started moving forward I felt this hot air on my face. Ooh. 
And I said, what the heck? And I mean, it was it was 100 degrees or more and, uh-huh. and during that whole operation. It was, and the and the grunts were falling down and, and, and having heat prostration and they were, you know, um, medevacking them out to the, to the repose and all that kind of stuff. Right. But, but this hot air just went across my face and I went, whoa, that's weird. And we just, we charged in and, and you know, and, and took on the enemy. And it was, it was really a rear element of the North Vietnamese. It wasn't, it wasn't a gigantic battle or anything. It was probably lasted, you know, 30 minutes at the most. And, um, and a bunch of other stuff happened during that time. But the next evening, that evening, we're in a, we're in a logger position, if you will, uh, out in the field. And this platoon sergeant, grunt platoon sergeant, came over to me and said, did you see that RPG? And I went, you didn't see that RPG? And I said, what are you talking about? He said, it missed your head by about two inches. Yeah. I said, what are you talking about? He said, when you were moving forward and you were yelling at the grunts, a gook shot an RPG at you and your tank moved forward and it missed you by about two inches. Yeah. And that's what, what that hot air was. It was, the, yeah. it was the exhaust of the RPG going over my head. And, and if we'd stayed in that one position and hadn't moved forward, it probably would have landed in my lap. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had a similar experience. Just a side note, I had a similar experience. It burned the, the hair right off the side of my head. I mean, it was completely gone. From so, an RPG? Yeah. Yeah, so I... I, I and I, it, I'm just like you. I had no idea until I actually had a chance to take a look in the mirror, and I went, holy shit. I'm sorry. But, <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. And, and you know, and of course, in the as they say in the fog of war, you don't you don't see stuff. You know, you know, in a in a movie, I would have seen the the the, the uh, mm-hmm. exhaust of the RPG coming. You know, the the, yeah. the the smoke from the RPG coming at me, and I would have ducked or something. You know, yeah. but <laughs> yeah. I'm not Jackie Chan. <laughs> yeah. You know, or John Wayne or whatever. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah. yeah and, and you're certainly and not fast was, enough that, to catch that, it as it goes by. And, and, yeah, and that and that same firefight. We got down, we got down to uh, the tree line, if you will, and, and we were all shooting the, uh, the our 30s mostly at the North Vietnamese, and they're running away. And I looked over to the left, and uh, there was a, 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 a tank commander. His his last name was Bonilla. He was a, 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 a Mexican kid, and his his first name was Jesus. And of course, back in those days, or they still do, um, if your name is Jesus, they call you Chewy. That's a uh, Chewy Bonilla was his name, yeah. and say, hey, where's Bonilla? Where's, his, where's Chewy's tank? And you look out, and there was just a field. Oh, and wow. you came up closer to where his tank was supposed to be, and there it was, inside a B-52 bomb crater, with the right track off the tank, thrown off the tank, wow. and the left track underneath the belly of the tank. They had they had thrown the track both both when they went into the, the, the bomb crater. Yeah. And what happened was, Bonilla, the North Vietnamese started shooting 152 millimeter artillery at us when we were in this engaged in this firefight just just after the RPG went over my head, uh-huh. and Bonilla buttoned up, and the he didn't see it, and the driver didn't see it, and they drove into a bomb crater oh, wow. and 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 slid in sideways, and so and so we ended up with the beef, with 152 millimeter artillery shooting at us. We got out of the tanks and put the track back on the tank and wow. and, uh, and went on our way. But Bonilla's tank was underneath, was inside the bomb crater. Yeah. Now, the other little tidbit of that was Bonilla, he wasn't out helping us. And said, where is he? 
He's inside the turret. Well, what happened? Well, he jumped out of the tank. He still had his comm helmet on. He dis he disengaged the the comm the, the wire yeah. and jumped out of the tank with the comm helmet on. And just as his feet hit the ground, a, a huge piece of shrapnel from the of 152 bounced off a couple trees and smacked him flat in the head and knocked him on his ass. Oh wow! Ooh. But he had his helmet on, so yeah. it didn't hurt him. Other than <laughs> other than knock him silly, he was inside the turret. Saying Hail Mary. <laughs> Thank he, you, Jesus. He wouldn't, come out of, he wouldn't come out of the turret. Yeah. <laughs> Is he, just a side note, was he from New Mexico? Yeah. That's what I thought. I know him. Yeah. Yeah, Benilla. Yeah. Good, good guy. Yeah. Good crazy guy. I, in fact, I got, I got several photos of him at the, at the Dong Ha Club, uh, uh, the, the Alpha Company Club. We've got, a, we've got a, a, a stack of beer cans, you know, a big pyramid of beer cans, and, and me and Bonilla are sitting there drinking <laughs> beer and having a good time. <laughs> That's, yeah, that's Benio. <laughs> yeah, interesting enough. Um, let, let's uh, let's uh, shift gears. You know, let's talk about hammer and anvil. Blocking force. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You, uh, you were on a blocking force of some sort at one time. Yeah, yeah. The first, well, you know, I mean, we we practiced it a lot where the where the the infantry and tanks would be sweeping through an area, and they scare up some bad guys, mm -hmm. and so there would always be a blocking force, if they call it, if you will. There was a, a, a static group of people, uh, tanks, autos, mm -hmm. uh, grunts, whatever, and they would, the, 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 the sweeping guys, the guys that were sweeping the area and trying to scare the, scare the bad guys away, there would be a blocking force where the bad guys would hammer and anvil, so that the hammer is the guy sweeping, and the anvil is the guy's blocking, mm -hmm. and they would the the bad guys would not know because the blocking force was quiet, mm -hmm. and they would come running into the blocking force and get annihilated. Mm -hmm. It was a it was a I, you know what probably the the Romans probably figured that out or maybe even the Chinese before that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was a you know hammer and anvil mm -hmm. movement that they yeah. did a lot, um, and um, so one time my tank. The Army decided they were going to come up and show the Marines how to do it. And so the 7th Cav came up, and there must have been a thousand, a thousand helicopters and a thousand uh, uh, APCs, armored personnel carriers. They didn't have a lot of tanks, and they were going to sweep this area <laughs> south and west of Cam Lo. And they wanted to have some flamethrower tanks to help them with their blocking Unit, okay. and so we went and went up to the mountains and and sat in this area and um, uh, waited for mm. the blocking. Uh, excuse me, we were the blocking force and waiting for the the sweep to come through. Right. And I really don't remember seeing a whole lot of Vietnamese, and I also don't remember seeing a lot of army guys coming toward us. You know, sweeping. I, I don't even remember what happened, but two things happened. One the captain that was in charge of our area, the, 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 the blocking force, mm -hmm. came up to us and demanded that we get water and shave. And Jesus. I said to the, and I, I, was, I was the section leader, so I, I said to the captain, I said, Marines don't shave in the field. He says, Marines shave in my field. And so we ended up having to get out water and razors and, 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 and shave for the captain. And then later, when the operation was over, 
the captain decided that he didn't see enough action, so he wanted to go find a village, a, a, a VC village, uh. and destroy it. So we're driving along. Now get this, it's Easter Sunday. We're driving along, and all of a sudden we come up to a village, and the captain says, burn it. Jesus. So we took out our flamethrowers and burned it, and we found out later that that was a friendly village and it wasn't a VC village. Oh. But the army had us burn it. Yeah, well, bless the army. There, yeah. and 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 you know, the the idea that that that's the kind of guy that uh, that captain is the kind of guy that could get everybody killed really easily. Yep. 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 He wants to get a medal. Yeah. He wants a silver star. Yep. Yep. Exactly. That's what he was looking for. He was. And uh-huh. They don't care who they step on to get it. but No, gosh, no. No, let's engage the enemy. Yeah. Charge! Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, that's that's too bad. That's I was lucky enough. I don't think I ever had to deal with anybody like that, but I know I've I've heard people talk about that, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, frag grenades come to mind really quickly. Yes, yes. Well, I, 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 do, have another, I do have another story like a Bob Peavy was up at Ocean View, which was the, which was the furthest north... Uh, outpost uh, right along the DMZ, oh. and it was a fire. It was a it was a, uh, a, um, a forward observer base for the USS New Jersey to shoot into into North Vietnam. Oh. But um, one day, a a group of army tanks and probably a company. So let's throw out numbers. There were fifteen tanks mm-hmm. uh, came up to Ocean View, and they said, uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna you know sweep this area. And a PD said to the captain, uh, the the captain uh, of the of the army tanker said, you know, there's a lot of mines out there. You probably ought to wait and, and have the engineers sweep the area. And he said, we don't need no engineers. And they lined up in a, in a in a in a column, not a column. They lined up uh, online uh-huh. and they charged across the sand dunes. Oh, and every single tank hit a mine. <laughs> Oh, and they and the and the army retrievers. There were three of them. They they worked they worked for like three days to pull the tanks out of the out of the sand. Yeah. They but they showed us how to do it. Yeah, they sure did. Yeah, that's it. That's. <laughs> I had a I, I had a run in with a not a run in but a conversation. We were out on a uh, headed out towards a sweep, and there was a army tank that was along the side of the road, and. It just so happened we stopped, and, and my tank just ended up right next to his. And, and, you know, I looked over and said, well, what's up? And he said, well, you know, it's broken. I said, well, you know, we could probably fix it if you want us to. Oh, no, 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 no. They're sending the retriever out, and, and you know, the mechanics will take care of this. And I thought, good luck, buddy. <laughs> that's, not, that's not my cup of tea. I'm sitting around yeah, waiting for somebody yeah. to shoot at you? You've got to be kidding me. Yeah, no, no, they... That's that's that. I, I have some friends now that were in the 69th Armor, which was strictly armor. There were no grunts. It was just armor. It was tanks and APCs, and they they would you know they would throw a track. They wouldn't fix it. That, that wasn't their job. The retriever came out and the mechanics would fix it for them. Or you know the machine gun wouldn't work. They'd call an armor out to fix it. They 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 didn't they didn't dirty their hands. You know, working on maintenance on the tank. Other than checking the oil, that was about all they did. Yeah, I cannot imagine thirty caliber uh, going out and not not doing something really fast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely crazy, crazy. Yeah, 
That's uh, very interesting indeed. The Army has a different rule of operation, I think. That, uh, well, uh, let's, let's back up for a second. Here I am in Way City, and there's, there's a tank off to the side of the road. It's an Army tank, and it's off to the side of the road, kind of, kind of mired in some, from some uh, uh, concertina wire. Oh, okay. And it turns, it turns out they were there during the battle. But they got there the first day. They were they were actually assigned to it, or they were driving through whatever. And the driver got so shook up that he drove into a Benjo ditch, you know, one of the open sewers. Yeah. And and in doing that, also got entangled in barbed wire. So the tank commander said, "Abandon the tank." <gasps> and they took a thermite took a thermite grenade and put it in the breach of the tank, and and burned up the. The, bear, the, oh. the breach of the tank with a thermite grenade and also burned up the radio and they abandoned the tank. Oh my Perfectly God. fine tank. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I, I, got you, I actually got a photograph of that. That's, a, uh, that, that's there incredible. It was, was one army tank in Way City during the battle. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's incredible. I, can't, I cannot imagine. Boy, would we get our asses chewed for that. Oh, you could probably get thrown in the brig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's just that's incredible. Jeez, oh, can't believe it. Uh -huh. um, let's let's. Uh, you, you've intrigued me. I've heard about this rap patrol stuff. Um, yeah. But I've never. I mean, at least as as I understand rap patrols back from you know the <laughs> television. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, can you can you touch a little bit? And apparently, uh, the nighttime rap patrols. Yeah. So, so Charlie Company, and again, this is unbeknownst to me at the time, but they decided to pull Charlie Company off of the river as a blocking force and move them back to Quang Tree, uh, Quang Tree into the rear area. And as it turns out, they were getting ready for Nixon's Vietnamization of the war by pulling the Marines, eventually pulling the Marines out of Vietnam. Right. And the first unit come into Vietnam with the 9th Marines with Charlie Company 3rd Tanks. And back then it was 1st Tanks and they converted to 3rd Tanks But, right. but um, uh, in 1965. But in 1968, they decided they were going to end up pulling the 9th Marines and Charlie Company 3rd Tanks out of Vietnam back to, uh, back to Okinawa. Uh -huh. And they decided it was in like October, November of... 68 when they were gonna do it and I think they ended up a year later in 69 actually pulling them out mm -hmm. but so we were in Quang Tree sitting around you know warm showers uh, warm showers warm chow uh, cold beer uh, living in uh, hardback hooches uh, and they decided that the North Vietnamese might want to mine the main supply route, MSR, between Quang Tri and Dong Ha. And Dong Ha, again, was the big, huge, sprawling base that was the main uh, main base uh, in that part of the, of the, of the DMZ. Right. Right. So they decided that they wanted to have tanks run up and down the road all night. And so what we did is we had one gun tank and one flame tank, and we would start on Quang Tri at 6 o'clock. And we'd go up to Dong Ha, uh -huh. and we'd park our tanks at Dong Ha, and wait two hours, and come back down the road, and then turn right around and go right back up the road again, and then wait for three hours, and then come back down the road, 
and then sometimes turn right around. And sometimes, you know, we wait five minutes and we go, and sometimes we wait three hours and we go yeah. um, up and down the road. And I, I, I just thought the top made it was probably about a six mile, six miles, right. seven miles. Yeah. It wasn't that far. But what we were doing is we were disrupting any kind of bad enemy activity that might be happening, especially trying to plant mines on that MSR, which, mm-hmm. you know, a massive... Quang Tree, Quang Tree was pretty close to the ocean, and that's where a lot of the supplies got offloaded from Navy ships. Right. And then they take them trucks, and they truck up to Dong Ha, and then go on into the rest of the DMZ up to Camp Carroll and, you know, Kaysan and, and Quang Tree or Camlo uh, and et cetera. So we did this thing at night. We'd stay up all night, and we'd go up to, um, we'd go up to Dong Ha, sit for an hour, shoot back down the road, and did that all night. Jeez. And 99% of the time, nothing happened. Yeah. One time, we're at Quang Tree, they come over the radios and say that the CAC unit, the uh, Combined Action Platoon unit, right. halfway up the road, had some, had some stuff going on in their, in their wire, and they wanted us to get up there. And um, so we hauled balls, and of course, Two tanks going up the road makes a lot of noise, yeah. and I guess we chase the bad guys away. But that was the that was the closest we came to any kind of action, with one more exception, and that's we were at the south gate, the main gate of Dagang Ha, off to the side of the road. Mm-hmm. Um, both tanks we were on the side of the road, but we were off the road and kind of you know in the bar ditch, if you will. Yeah. And there was a hill. There was a hill that you couldn't see oncoming traffic. And it's just starting to daybreak. It's just starting to, have, the sun is just starting to come up and you're just barely able to see mm-hmm. without lights on. Yeah. And an Arvin truck loaded up with Arvin comes barreling up the road and comes up the hill and the driver sees our tanks sitting by the side of the road and obviously he panics. He doesn't know what to do. And he starts swerving, and he actually crashed into my tank. Oh God! And the Arvin soldiers in the back went flying all over the road, and and he kept driving. Oh and God! His, and his tire is like going, you know, like like a clown car yeah. with the tire wobbling. Yeah. The tires wobbling, and the grunts are trying to run and catch <laughs> the truck. And and the the truck bent my fender back underneath the track and I couldn't move oh. and I, you know just, you know steel reinforced bars and all that stuff so right. I ended up calling the the the, the um, Dong Ha and they came down with a welder and cut it off yeah. but th- that was the that was the other <laughs> the other action that we saw with Arvin uh, in a two and a half ton truck crashing into my tank yep that sounds kind of like the Arvins <laughs> uh, that's uh, why. Why do anything? Oh, I'm sorry. Never mind. I was going to go someplace, and I just. And uh, then, and then, my very last rat patrol. Yeah. We we came in. We came. We came into the to the to the company area, and Hadler, uh, Corporal Hadler, the the uh, office poke, stuck his head out the window and yelled, "Hey, where? We got your orders. Get your stuff and get down to get down to Dong. Uh, get down to." Uh, Denang before the plane leaves without you. Oh. And so I ran into the hooch and packed up a Willie Peter bag full of stuff and uh, said goodbye to all my buddies and got on a six by and um, went down to the flight line and went to Dong Ha and went home. All right. Yeah. Boom. When, like that. When, so when did you rotate out? 
February, mid-February 69. Oh, okay. Why, we not, did we cross paths? I think we did up in Dong Ha. Yeah. You and Sparrow and, and uh, but I, I, I remember, I remember a tree. Oh, yeah. The name tree. Yeah. I, I don't know if we, I don't know if we ever actually saw each other, but I remember the name tree and that was Sparrow and Blues and, and, uh, and several other guys that hung out with you in Alpha Company. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah, I, I just, there's, there, you know, it's it's fascinating. We are such a small group, yeah. relatively speaking, that if you don't know someone or if you didn't talk with somebody or, or you know, were friends with them, within two or maximum three people, you knew who they were. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was just, uh, it, it's such a close-knit family that, and, uh, uh, in, in, of course, the VTA brings everybody together. And, Absolutely. And, and suddenly you're sharing stories, and you go, "Oh yeah, I was there. I remember that." <laughs> well, and, and here's 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 two things that are really kind of cool that, that, that have happened to me. One is somebody will come up to me and go, "Hey, where you remember so and so?" And I go, "No." Well, don't you remember we did so and so and such and such? I said, no. And you know, his tank and my tank were together doing something. You know, uh-huh. and and, yeah. and I, you know, I just I don't remember specifics. And the other one is, I'll be looking at somebody's photo album. And there'll be a picture of me in there. Mm-hmm. And I go, when was that taken? Oh, don't you remember so and such? And then I'll stop. My brain will start, you know, the, the gears will start going. I go, oh my God, yes, I remember that. And I completely forgotten about, you know, whatever that instance was. Yeah, yeah I, agree. I agree. And and they remember vividly, and I don't. But you know, once I start thinking about it, go, oh my God, there's another whole chapter of my life I completely forgotten about. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what very I've been cool. doing for very, very for cool. years. Before I let you go because Thor sticks in a lot of people's minds. Can you describe a little bit about Operation Thor? Well, Thor's the one where the Ninth Marines, the Ninth Marines and basically every tank from 3rd Tank Battalion did the sweep around uh, Kantian. Oh, okay. That, okay. Was, that was Operation Thor. And I don't know why they, you know, other than the fact that we were sweeping around and there was a, you know, blocking force at the other end. Mm-hmm. But uh, the North Vietnamese, I mean, the amount of noise that that amount of tanks makes, the North Vietnamese went up back up north. They didn't want to confront us. Yeah. And so there was there were virtually no firefights. Uh, but but the the one nine that was way at the one end, mm-hmm. they actually went into North Vietnam. They crossed the Ben They walked across the Ben River and they were in North <laughs> Vietnam. Oh. <laughs> and and by the way, that was a prelude. Thor was a prelude to the third Marine Division and the first Marine Division lining up along the DMZ and attacking North Vietnam. And again, that was a rumor that was 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 circulated uh-huh. in the summer of 68 that uh-huh. we were going to actually go into North Vietnam and, and, and attack North Vietnam and, you know, be an aggressor. Uh-huh. And um, uh, never happened. And my again, I read this later. Mm-hmm. The North Vietnamese found out about it, and they moved their 152 arty one mile closer into the DMZ, and they shot into Dong Ha and blew up the ammo dump oh, yeah. and the POL dump yeah. which burned for three days yeah. and there were no bombs or bullets to be able to contact uh, to have the to, to conduct the uh operation into north vietnam yeah yeah did you ever come across any tanks no, i'm sorry no, not ours theirs 
no, we heard we heard some noises. Probably they were probably artillery movers. We heard some noises. The only the one and only tank on tank battle that ever happened, and we're going to have that in the in the sponsor box in a couple of issues, okay. is down at the special forces camp called Ben Het, which was in Three Corps uh, near the Parrot's Beak uh, with Laos. The 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 um, uh, the um, either Cambodia or Laos, on the border, mm-hmm. where it just happened that these tanks from 69th Armor were operating in, a, in, a, in the jungle, and they came into this special forces camp to spend the night. And the North Vietnamese sent in five or six PT-76s to attack and overrun the special forces camp, and the tanks happened to be there, and they knocked out the, the, the Vietnamese tanks. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, Long Long Vey was the same, except that there wasn't tank on tank. It was uh, exactly. They they had the, there the 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 uh, Green Berets had laws and the laws didn't work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, what surprised me more than anything else was was uh, uh, I, I watched uh, on a television in '75 when. When they suddenly, or '74, I forgot which year it is, but when they, when the NVA finally rolled across uh, that high and and just hot knife through butter kind of thing, and and yes. they were led by tanks, and I thought, Jesus, yes. I wish we'd had a chance. Yeah, really. <clears throat> well, I think I think I think part of it part of it was that 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 part of North Vietnam didn't have a lot of heavy tanks, and I think part of it was we just had airstrikes, just massive airstrikes out right. that area, so that. Right. You know, it kept the it kept the the, the armored vehicles out of there, yeah. and um, so they had those little PT seventy sixes, those mm-hmm. little like you know with the seventy five millimeter guns yeah. on them. Yeah, the lightweight um, ones. Yeah. But but I don't think you know until they really wanted to attack. In fact, the the bridge at Dong Ha with um, I can't think of the name the the Marine uh, that blew up the bridge and kept the North Vietnamese from coming across. Oh yeah. Um, but but they. They had, you know, they had T-54s and, and T-76s and, and whatever, the, you know, large, you know, the 120-millimeter, 100-millimeter tanks. Yeah. Um, the North Vietnamese did them. Yeah, yeah. That was, it would have been. Do you, do you, I had heard rumors that Russians were actually running those tanks. Was that, did you hear uh, that? Or? I, I, I heard stories about blonde-headed, uh, you know, Caucasians uh, operating with the North Vietnamese. Yeah. Um, yeah. We captured we the, the Marines captured several Chinese advisors in Way City. Oh, and 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 you know captured them and and you know took them as POWs. Yeah. Um, I never saw a, a a Caucasian, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, on the other side. But you know we didn't see a lot of other than in the distance we didn't see a lot of uh, North Vietnamese enemies anyway. Yeah, yeah, I yeah I, I, yeah, I agree with that. Interesting. Well, um, let's kind of let's let's wrap this up, I, John. I, <laughs> I'm glad we did this. That's you hit upon some of the some of the very uh, top rated or not top rated, but top known, well known, as well as Dido uh, operations that that uh, uh, you know are kind of common among people, and we've never talked about. And I think it's important for the listening audience to. To hear uh, all of, well, all of this actually, all of this because it's it's you know, you, geez, you don't get a tanker's perspective 
anytime, anywhere except here. Yep. Um, and um, that's unfortunate because it's just you know they we we uh, <clears throat> a second thought, an afterthought, and, and yet when, when the, the shit hit the fan, uh, you know, they were, you know, practically cheering when, when a tank rolled up and, and opened up on a 50 caliber or, or, or uh, something like that, so, you know, they, they suddenly loved us. Uh, any other oh, we're their best friends. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, just three, one, one little, one little tidbit. Yeah, please. Um, Mark Bowden uh, uh, is an author, and he wrote he wrote Black Hawk Down, but oh. he also wrote a book about Way City called Way 1976, uh, 19, geez, 1968, oh. and it was about the battle. And he lives in Delaware, and I used to live in Philadelphia, right. and so I, I don't even know how we connected, but we connected, and he came to my house and spent two hours with me interviewing me about Way City and my, my perspective. I then gave him four or five names of other tankers who were in Way City, and he ended up interviewing all them. So all of those tanker stories about Way City are in his book. Ah. And it's one of the few books you were talking about not having a tanker's perspective. Yeah. It's one of the few books in history books about Way City, about, about uh, Vietnam right. that is a, is a perspective, has got, you know, several, several chapters, if you will, about Tanks in Vietnam, yeah, which is pretty cool. C- could you could you repeat the author's name for the audience, please? Mark Bowden, B O W D E N, is the yeah. Mark Bowden is the is the fella that wrote the books, uh, and the book is called Way Nineteen Sixty Eight, and uh, it's it's really well written. And just as an aside, he spent two years interviewing marine, mostly marine uh-huh. uh, uh, people who were marines in Vietnam in Way City during the battle. He also spent two years traveling around Vietnam interviewing soldiers and VC and civilians that were involved with Way on that side of the battle. So he has two perspectives. It's a really, really well-written book. And um, uh, again, in fact, the book opens with a little Vietnamese girl riding her bicycle looking at all the army, our Arvin army people, and gathering intelligence to be able to tell her brother, who's a VC, mm-hmm. so that he knows what's going on in Way City. Yeah. Just really, really well-written book. Yeah. You know, when I was back in, in, in Hue in 2008, yeah. um, there were two Vietnamese that came up to me. One was clearly not of age at the time we were there but the other was and um, uh, the younger one spoke some English and said uh, are, you know are you you know were you here and I said yes I was a marine and and, and uh, so we got to talking <laughs> his his grandfather was VC ah. his TAOR was our TAOR how about that yeah, and I didn't know whether to spit or go blind. You know, I just, uh, you know, it's just, yeah. it, it's stark reality, I guess, that you don't expect. You know, I was, uh, you know, 
I was in Hui, and I was, uh, you know, I've been to Kyoto, for example, and I, I, you know, I love the architecture and the gardens and all that, and I take that in, and that's what I was doing with Hui, and, and um, caught me completely off guard, just completely off guard. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, a, it's, yeah. the only person I've ever really, I mean, I've, well, we met, uh, when we were in, in um, Hanoi, we met with uh, a professor, uh, at the University of Han- uh, yeah University of Hanoi, that had been a general in in the NVA at the time, and, and uh-huh. I got a pretty good perspective and a fairly uh, uh, non-biased uh, perspective yeah. on on their operations and what they were doing and what they were trying to do and how they did it, and and it was a fairly realistic. Uh, 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 approach to, you know, the wins and the losses and, uh, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Of course, they were the good guys, you know. Of course. You can't get away from that, but, no. but um, you know, it was a, the only two I've ever talked with, to be honest with you, the only the, the only two that I've ever really had a chance to sit down and, and, and have some sort of a conversation, so. Right, right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, John? I want to thank you so much. This is just, this is terrific. I, 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 I'm, I'm so impressed with our, uh, the members of our, um, and just chat with, about all kinds of things. And it's just, you know, I, as the leader of the organization, uh, clearly, you lead the way in this in this regard, and I am so grateful, and I thank you very much. Any any parting words for the for the audience? Well, on the other side of the coin, I'm so thrilled that you found a way to get the stories from the the, if you will, the recalcitrants mm-hmm. who who don't want to write and who really don't want to be on on camera, yeah. but uh, who are very interested in. Uh, having a conversation and uh, have a lot of experience uh, to impart on us. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really been a, a gold mine that hadn't been uh, absolutely. And, so. and you and you found the first nugget, which <laughs> I think is terrific. Well, the nuggets are out there. They're, th- these are great guys. There's no question about it. And and they have a lot of experiences to to relate to folks who just you know just. There's so few of us around anymore that, relatively speaking, that that uh, in so many generations have come around that you know it's it's. Uh, I had a question one time from a history kid. Well, wasn't this? Weren't you in World War Two? I said no, 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 no. You got the time period all screwed up, friend. Yeah. So, yeah, no, 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 I understand, absolutely. Uh, this, yeah. These are invaluable, and our, like I say, our folks are just, I, I, I view them the same way, it's just a, an incredibly valuable resource. So I thank you. All right. Yes, sir, thank you. Okay. Okay. Inside of you, it's a cold and it's a broken hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.